0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. This wonderful documentary film is called The Deepest Breath. It follows champion freediver Alessia Zacchini who fell in love with the sport of freediving as a child growing up in Italy. Astounding coaches with her raw talent and determination in pool swims and open water contests before she was even old enough to legally compete. Irish adventurer turned expert safety diver Stephen Keenan meanwhile was raised near the sea, but as a young man he set out on a quest to find himself traveling across Africa before landing in Dahab, Egypt and establishing a dive school. Despite their very different paths, the two meet at the pinnacle of their success as competitive free divers, discovering a shared passion for pushing their limits and forming a powerful relationship that felt more like fate. Again, the film is called The Deepest Breath, and we're joined today by the director, Laura McGann. Laura, welcome to Film School Radio.
1: Thanks for having me, Mike.
0: The Deepest Breath is a thrilling film from the outset. It is... A world to which most people would be absolutely terrified to engage in in the way that we see Alessia and Stephen. It is engaging because of their personality. There's so much here to pull you into the story. In terms of your process of beginning to do this documentary film, did you hear about Alessia first or Stephen first? What was it that got you into wanting to make The Deepest Breath?
1: I read, about, I read an article about Stephen and Alessia in 2017, and I actually didn't know what freediving was. I had to Google what is freediving. Um, and I learned that it's swimming underwater while holding your breath. Um, but I saw, for the first time, people freediving underwater. I saw them in the videos, and it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. It was like watching... Humans behave like more like seals or dolphins than human beings. And also they were shot by freedivers. So the cinematography was like there was a fluidity to the cinematography that you don't get when it's a scuba diver filming because freedivers are nimble. They can move around. They don't have tanks on their back and you can go up and down quite quickly. So it was just something like they'd never seen before. Shot in a way that I'd never seen before either, so I was hooked. It was one of those situations where you look up from the laptop and it's dark, you know, and hours mm. have passed and you've been in a rabbit hole, and so that was really the day one, and and after that it was learning more about Stephen and Alessia, their lives, the way they intertwined, and and the and really the the geography of the incredible places that they went to under the sea you know, 100 meters under the sea, I was just amazed every corner I turned, there was another uh, incredible part of this story.
0: It is beautiful. The photography, the underwater photography that you're talking about is spectacular. And there's also something very relatable about free diving, even though at the levels at which these two practiced and so many others in the film, it's astounding. We'll get into that a little bit. But we've all been in a pool We've been in the ocean, we've held our breath, we wanted to see how long we could hold our breath and swam around until our you know, heads were going to explode, right? And then we we pop up in the surface, and it's a thrilling, yet in somewhat somewhat dangerous enterprise. Just even at that level, you 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 have a you come to respect how hard it would be to hold your breath for ex- an extended period of time. Does that make this more relatable, do you think, to people?
1: I think it only I think it must. You know, we've all Held our breath, like you say, and and you know <laughs> hung out there, hung out there under the water for a couple of seconds, and it's really beautiful. The beautiful part I find is is the bit where at the very start of it for me, where you don't have the urge to breathe, and I suppose when say the likes of Alessia and Stephen, Alessia in particular, who would be you know under the water for such an amazing like incredible length of time, sometimes up to three minutes or more. And she still doesn't have the urge to breathe. You know, that is quite incredible. You know, I I get it for about 10 seconds. (laughs) But imagine having it for three minutes. The way you'd feel, you would really feel like you'd feel like a fish. I can't imagine you wouldn't. Well, it's
0: otherworldly. It's really outside of the human experience to not to just as you described it, to sort of forget that you have to breathe
1: exactly like i felt when i heard this existed as a sport or a thing that people could do it was like learning that there was a group of people uh, somewhere on the planet that could fly <laughs> and they had been flying for quite some time and i had to heard about it here i was watching these videos and of, of people just doing what looked like the impossible
0: yeah well in addition to the beauty of the photography it's watching the competition in this. And I want to, at this point, I think it's important to kind of dive into these two different people, Alessia Zucchini and Stephen Keenan, and kind of explore their background a little bit about their background. How did Alessia get into this particular sport?
1: Alessia grew up in Rome and I know she used to go to the sea with her parents and her mom used to go down and get shells and she'd be on the surface and she'd point at a shell and her mom would go and and get the shell for her and come back up. And that was really the start. And she would try and do it, but she would have to hurry back to the surface. And uh, she also heard when she was quite young, she heard about the world champion freediver Natalia Malchinova, who held all of the records. Um, And she was the deepest woman in the world. She had a record of 101 meters. And Alessia, as a 13-year-old girl, wrote in her diary that she wanted to be just like Natalia. Um, She wanted to be a famous freediver at all costs. And that was it for her. It was just love at first sight for for the sport and for that sensation of being under the water, holding holding your breath. Um, And she started uh, training and she was immediately better than like the adult men in the pool (laughs) um which you know um must have been quite something at the time and and then unfortunately they brought in a rule uh pretty much immediately that you couldn't compete until you're 18 and and sure was only about 14 at this time and so she was devastated understandably because she knew that she'd get into the water and she'd start winning winning medals immediately. But alas, you'd have to wait. And, you know, as, as the person she is, she put her head down and she trained and she she was ready then when she turned 18 and she arrived on the scene like a rocket.
0: One of the things that comes out in the film is just what a dedicated to her, her craft, how dedicated to her craft she was, but also that, Putting an obstacle in front of her is only going to make her more determined to overcome that hurdle, which we see early on in her career and who she was facing and her determination to just get better and better at it. And that fire, it seemed to really be her, the engine that drove her.
1: Absolutely. And you see it at the start and you see it at Vertical Blue then many years later, where people both who are there and online are saying, you can't do this. You're not capable of these numbers. You can't muscle up these kind of debts. Um, and it was that that at that moment that she met Stephen and Stephen saw her potential and believed in her. And I, I believe he was one of the only ones who did at that time. And so they started to to work together and he was both her safety and her coach. Yeah, it was the start of of um, something really special.
0: I want to talk about Stephen, but I also want to let our listeners know that we're speaking with Laura McGann, and she is the director of a remarkable documentary film called The Deepest Breath. It will be in a limited theatrical run uh, beginning on July 14th, so be looking for it, but it will also be on Netflix beginning on July 19th. Stephen is also a remarkable person, uh, one who is not afraid, The, the thing that I think that comes across in the film, they're both two fearless people. Is that fair?
1: That's what attracted me to the to, to both of them immediately, you know, as a filmmaker, but also as a person who hasn't dove to 100 metres or travelled the world uh, in, in the same way that Stephen did. Stephen, I suppose, was was doing something that many of us could only really dream of, but maybe wouldn't be brave enough to do. He just travelled the world on his own, on a shoestring, all around Australia and North America, South America, Asia. And then he did Africa with a fine tooth comb and, and traveled through the Congo yeah. on his own, you know, trekked up to volcanoes and, and eventually ended up in Dahab. And he, he filmed a lot on his little DV cam at the same time. And it was beautiful that you could really, through what he shot, you could kind of learn a lot from him you know even if it's just a little animal or if it's people that he's met and he'll film a conversation that he's having with them or it, his own he, he also filmed kind of like video diaries himself as well he, he certainly lived the unconventional life you know maybe his family expected him to get a job settle down and uh, like his friends were doing and that just wasn't he just couldn't do it and he was often conflicted by that you know maybe a little bit afraid that he was disappointing his parents by not kind of ticking off those boxes but ultimately his heart was was somewhere else and he was he was, he was out there looking for something but he didn't know quite what it yeah. was he was looking for
0: yeah there's some scenes in the film where he's in africa and right behind him are some gorillas who are whatever they're doing and he's right there it also it appears that there's one other scene that i'm thinking of where he might be in some kind of civil war situation or political unrest and he's just kind of making his way through
1: is there was an uprising in guinea
0: yeah that's right guinea yeah, that's
1: right and in Kanakari, and he was he just got caught up in the middle. of it um, and was stuck in this kind of like um hotel for a number of weeks as right. this uprising against the government was going on around him and it was quite scary you know he was ringing his dad and Peter and Peter could hear the gunfire in the background and he just kind of yeah he had to hunker just hunker down and get through it and move on
0: the film uh, is called the deepest breath and as I said it's premiering on Netflix on July 19th so um be looking for this and I want to get into their relationship because I think that the things that they shared were this competitiveness. And I think the things, and also this love of nature, and there is something that I can personally attest to is the draw of the ocean, the feel of being in the ocean, the feel of being around the ocean. There is something absolutely magic about that. And that has been a part of my life. And I can understand why people would want to take it to the levels that they do in this film.
1: Uh, look I, I hear you here's your sister um I feel the exact same about the ocean and I can also understand why people would take it to the to the extent that they do um I suppose it is one of the questions that I get asked a lot which is why do they do it for me I oh, I get it um yeah. but I suppose um for for a lot of people you know they, they they just think I don't get it um and and one of the things that uh really kind of hits the nail on the head as Christoph, especially in the film describes it as you know he puts his head in the water and all the shit from daily life just washes away yeah. and it's quiet and alessia describes it as the last quiet place on earth and there's a there's a peace there's a there's a um a meditative nature to what they do and how they do it um yeah. and that is really appealing to me I get, you know, I I kind of get it when I hear that. I say, "Mm mm-hmm.
0: Well, the other thing about it is, in the drama of the film, it's this competition, free diving competition, and it is so dramatic in and of itself. Putting aside sort of the other stories that come into play in this film. Speaking of the ocean, my sisters do outrigger canoe racing, and they've done it all over the world. And I understand completely that that kind of tribal appeal of being in intense competition on the water it's something that i've seen in my own life and you see it in this film this brotherhood this sisterhood this community and you really see it in this film
1: yeah there's an incredible sequence of events where uh, records are being broken over and over meter by meter and there's an incredible culmination where i won't give any spoilers no no (laughs) Uh, A lot of things happen on the one day, a couple of different records are broken. And it really is an amazing moment for Alessia and and Hanako, uh, who's the Japanese diver. And it's an amazing moment for uh, women in in the sport. You know, everybody was just on the edge of their seats. Um, Delighted to see uh, these people really excel. And, uh, you know, there has to be a winner. So there was one. (laughs)
0: Yeah, absolutely. There is there is a tremendous amount of drama in this film, in terms of just yeah what happens and and we'll let we'll let all the people who are listening to the sound of our conversation find that out on their their own. But it is it's very dramatic, and it's also as I said, this community this is so emotionally involving as well. Uh, yeah. There's,
1: there's there's something really special that happens when, you know, between a safety diver and an athlete, you know, it's almost like the ultimate trust exercise. A, an athlete puts their life in the hands of, of a safety diver and perhaps some, you know, safety diver that they've never even met before. Um, but there's a kind of unspoken contract that the safety diver will save their life and bring them back to the surface, back to the air. Um, if something happens below the surface, and and from that, and you know, Stephen saved countless lives in his career as a as a safety diver, and there's a bond that grows, you know, through this and repeating this action over and over, that um, that is quite unique. You know, it's not every day that you you kind of get to turn around and thank somebody for your for your life. Um, and that's a fundamental kind of basic part of this community. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine in very many other walks of life where you would find that to be the case where literally somebody you've, I mean, other than firemen, doctors, I mean, there are people in the world who you thank for saving your life, but this is different because these people are there because they want to be and they feel this attraction they feel this impulse to do what they do and this that's a different kind of dynamic involved it is
1: yeah
0: well congratulations on this film it is really just beautifully done beautifully shot i want to uh, i know you sh- you're a cinematographer and your in your background but also uh tim crack beautiful work beautiful the sound the just everything about it. It's uh, I love the music in it as well. I think uh, it's, uh, it's just a special film. So uh, Laura McCann, uh, thank you for the work. Thank you for spending a little bit of time with us here on Film School Radio.
1: My pleasure, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on.